Welcome to the Shadron Berean Church Podcast, where you'll find some of the latest teachings from Shadron Berean Church in Shadron, Nebraska. We are a loving community of believers growing in God's grace in Christ together. The heartbeat of our church is to have deep roots in the Word of God and to bear fruit by passionately applying it to our lives by His power for His glory. And we thank you for joining us. give a hearty amen to that. I need some grace, because if you can't tell, this is going to be a really corny sermon. So, something came in the mail this week that I'm pretty excited about, and I'm going to share it with you. Every year, about this time of year, I get a little ahead of myself, and I start thinking about gardening. Anybody else like me out there? Okay, I can stand by my garden, it can be covered in snow, and I'm still picturing it in my mind, how I'm going to plant things. I'm not as bad as this guy, though. Uh, I don't paint flowers on my snowdrifts outside my house. I don't want it that bad. Okay, I don't want spring that bad. But I get pretty excited about spring planting. That's one of my favorite things to do, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so on top of things this year, that I already got all my seeds, all my garden seeds came in the mail this week, right, different kinds of seeds here, pumpkins and beans and peas and, and sweet corn, I got all sorts of good stuff up here, and I don't just buy any seeds, because I'm starting to learn, I mean, over the years I've learned that uh, we, we like certain varieties a little more than others. Right? So I'm, I do some research, and I'm looking through the magazines, and I'm picking out the seeds that I think are going to be the best for us. Right? So I'm, I'm looking for the best sweet corn, the best carrots and radishes. And I got some sweet corn this year that's like, it's in the magazine, it was like, this is the crispest sweet corn you'll eat. Right? The most crisp. It's not, not that mushy sweet corn. I don't like that. It gets stuck in my teeth. Um, Radishes. Where's my radishes? I don't even know. I got a lot of seeds in here. And uh, I got some stuff to kill those aphids. I almost called them something else. Okay. Aphids. Stinking aphids. But uh, I got radishes this year that are supposed to be able to grow the size of baseballs and they don't get hot or woody. Yeah. I'll tell you if they work. Uh, but I, I'm particular about what I'm going to sow in my garden. You know why? Because I'm going to reap what I sow in my garden, right? I've actually got to eat it. If I don't sow good things in my garden, I'm not going to want to eat it. But that's the way it is in the botanical world of plants. There is an unbreakable and unpersuadable law of reaping what you sow. You reap what you sow. You never sow... Uh, a pumpkin seed and it grows up to be a tomato. Uh, you never sow a radish and it comes out to be, oh, I don't know, a squash. It just it doesn't work that way, does it? You reap in accordance with what you sow according to its created kind. As a farmer in the past, I never planted wheat and had it come up to be corn. I never harvested corn when I planted wheat. If I told you I did, 
you would call me crazy, right? If I told you I planted beans in it and they grew up to be cucumbers, you would question me, you would not question the seeds, right? You'd say, that guy's crazy. He's nuts. He's lost his mind. He doesn't know what he's planting. Because you reap what you sow. And Jesus uh, mentioned this, this law, this botanical law in the plant world. He said, grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes, are they? Figs aren't gathered from thistles. Okay. There's this unpersuadable, unbreakable law in the plant world. You reap what you sow. And pretty much no one questions that this law is in place. In the universe, okay? Uh, D.L. Moody, he had a passion on this subject of sowing and reaping, and he said hardly any skeptic or atheist would deny this law. He says you'd be better off trying to blot out the sun from the heavens than to blot out this truth revealed in the Word of God. Sometimes we call this, this truth or this law the law of the harvest. We might call it the law of cause and consequence. We might call it the law of sowing and reaping, even other religions, other religious beliefs like Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, they kind of abuse this law, but they call it karma, and they'll apply it to their theology wrongly. Uh, but you reap what you sow. We all know this is true. This is a, not just a, a truth for the plant world, but the Bible says this natural law is designed to teach us about spiritual truth. And about the decisions that we make in our lives, the choices that we sow produce an outcome we reap. The choices we sow produce an outcome we reap. Our choices and our actions are like seeds that we're constantly sowing. And because we're always sowing, we're always going to be reaping. And so we want to be careful about what we sow in life. We reap the fruit or the harvest of our consequences or, the, or consequences of our choices. And those consequences can be good or bad. We, we like to think of consequences as bad, but we can think of them as good or bad. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And so we want to be careful about what we sow. Kind of like in my garden, I want to be particular about what I sow because I know I'm going to get back what I sow, right? I'm going to reap what I've sown. If you understand this unchanging law, it is going to absolutely change your life. This unchanging law will change your life. Okay, As a former farmer, this concept, this biblical concept, always stood out to me, especially since I started studying the life and the works of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a 19th century uh, evangelist. Some of you recognize him. His name's everywhere. Right, Moody Publishing, Moody Church, Moody Bible School over in Chicago. That guy was a, a very prolific evangelist because he believed in the law of the harvest. That man reached millions of people before TV or radio, basically before so, social media, because he knew he could not win any souls to Christ if he wasn't sowing the gospel. And so the guy is constantly sowing the gospel. If he went to bed at night and realized, I haven't shared the gospel with anyone today, he got out of bed and went and shared it with someone on the street. He knew he couldn't reap if he didn't sow, and so he was always sowing. And the reason we need to study this law is because once we grasp it, it's going to help us to navigate life more intentionally, more thoughtfully more wisely, if I can say that. If you understand every decision you make has a consequence, 
That's going to change your life, isn't it? It's going to change the way you make decisions in life. It's going to change, basically, the way you look down the road and where you're going in life. Because you know every choice you make has a consequence in the future. Okay, When you make wise decisions, life is going to be more enjoyable. It's going to be more full. It's going to be more pleasant. Making wise choices does that. And Wayne Fisher and I, I have to bring him up because we, me and him have been chatting about this concept for a few weeks now. It's just kind of been on our heart and mind. And I'll be honest, a lot of the material and stuff in this sermon actually comes from Wayne Fisher. At least the good stuff in it. Okay, if, it's, if you don't like it, it's probably mine. If it's good, it's Wayne's. Now, Wayne's got excellent spiritual insight. And uh, we thought it would be good... To, to discuss this topic because we just plain care about you. We care about you. We care about the choices that you're making in your life because we know that choices matter. Are, do choices matter? Right? Choices are powerful. Choices are very powerful. We want to talk about this because we want you to have a full, abundant life that's free from unnecessary hurts and pains. Okay, we get tired of seeing shipwrecked lives because of poor choices that didn't have to happen. The shipwreck did not have to happen. Choices are so powerful, and so we want to realize what we're doing when we make choices. We don't want to wander aimlessly in this world and end up in a world of unnecessary hurt. We, we want to choose wisely. Um, think about this. The choice to trust Christ. One choice can determine your eternal destiny, heaven or hell. One choice. You either trust Christ or you don't, heaven or hell. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, but that's not doesn't just extend, the power of choice doesn't just extend to salvation. It extends to everyday life, right? The Bible is not just about salvation. The Bible is like a lamp for our feet to guide us on God's path through life. So it's there to help us make the right decisions in life, to take proper action. His word is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. Following God's word, his instruction is going to bring, like the Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs chapter 3 says, it's going to bring healing and refreshment to our bodies, to our minds. It's going to bring healing and blessing to our homes, to our bank accounts. When you do biblical finance, finance, you handle your money God's way, uh, it's going to bless your bank account, uh, everything. So if we, if we put Christ's yoke of teaching on us, and what was, how did Christ describe, describe his yoke? Easy? Yeah. And light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Okay, so you take his yoke upon you, and it's going to free you from a lot of unnecessary things. Right, Like falling for the religious junk out there. That was the specific yoke that Jesus was talking about. All the religious junk that religious leaders were putting on people, right? If you want to go to heaven, if you want to, you know, and they're just weighing them down with all sorts of laws. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, 
His, his yoke of teaching frees us from addictions and broken relationships and just a lot of unnecessary things in life. And I don't think there's a better time to think about this, this law of the harvest than, in, than during the new year. During the new year. Personally, I enjoy the new year holiday. I, let me specify, I do not enjoy staying up till midnight. But I enjoy the new year holiday because it's a time of new beginnings. And I, I think it's very appropriate that we follow up the hope of Christmas with a new beginning. Uh, new beginnings, new resolutions, all this because Christ offers us a new beginning, right? And so this time of year, we're, we're often talking about New Year's resolutions. Maybe you have one, maybe you don't. I think they're a good thing. I think New Year's resolutions are a really good thing because that at least tells me that if you have one, you're being intentional about your life. You're not wandering aimlessly. You, you understand there's something in your life that you could probably improve on. There's a choice you could make that would make your life a lot better if you were to carry it through. Uh, a lot of resolutions bomb, don't they? Uh, this is what the gym looks like in December. It's empty. Nobody on the treadmills. January, it's like WWF. Everybody's fighting for treadmills. And then February, you got like... Hmm, they're back to normal. Got a couple people in there. Um, that's kind of what we think of. That's what I think of when we think of resolutions. Because they can be hard, right? Because we, we make a resolution and then we realize, boy, this is, this is going to take some effort. Uh, nothing changed when that calendar flipped over. Nothing magical happened. I'm still the same person. And I've got to really work if I'm going to meet this resolution. Well... Anyway, uh, resolutions are a good thing because we all have some things, I think, that we need to change, things that we can improve on in our lives. And Dave Ramsey uh, said this. I don't often quote Dave, but uh, he said, it's like he knew I was preaching on this because this is what he posted this week. The only difference between who you are in 2021 and who you are in 2022 is the action you take. You will harvest what you plant he says, so plant intentionally. Plant good habits, good values, good work, good decisions. You decide. It's like he knew I was going to speak on this. I liked it. I thought I'd share it with you. I'm sure most of us here would like to move forward in some area of our lives as a result of 2022. We don't, we don't want to be the same people in 2023 that we are in 2022, right? Isn't there something in your life you want to change? I mean, where do you want to be in 2023 spiritually, financially, relationally, whatever it is? How about in five years? How about in 10 years? How about in 30 years? And some of you guys are, you know, dying on the inside. 30 years, I'm going to be with the Lord. <laughs> um, where do you want to be in 2023? To get from where you are right now to where you want to be in the future, it's going to require intentionality on your part with your choices day to day. I, guys, I've put my Bible under my pillow and tried to grow spiritually, and it just didn't work. I actually had to open that thing and read it, right? Uh, financially, think about it. You can't be in a better place financially in the future if you don't start getting control of your finances now. And right now, the new year is a good time to start that. Wise people know the future is connected to and highly dependent upon 
our actions in the present. In fact, I think someone said battles are often won before they're even before they even begin. Battles in the futures are won before they even begin. Okay. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. I've got it up here on the screen too, but I do like to hear those Bible pages out there rustling around. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Farming's hard work, amen? So he says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, maybe your translation says, while we have season, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So kind of a key uh, passage for sowing and reaping. Wayne Fisher talked about uh, sowing and reaping in our men's fellowship group on Friday morning, and he drew something along these lines up on the whiteboard and, and explained that basically with, with any decision we have to make, any choice we're going to make, you've basically got two paths. You can go God's way. You can go the way of the Spirit, like in Galatians, or you can go... Uh, Satan's way, sin, Satan, and society, the way of the flesh. So it's like we always have a choice in front of us. It's like we can go one of two paths. It's like coming to a fork in the road all the time. God offers us what? Eternal, abundant life, even a better quality of life. And I think that's the quality of life he's talking about in chapter 6 because Paul is writing to believers. He's not saying eternal life is based on your performance. He's saying the eternal, there's an eternal quality of life you can have here and right now if you walk by the Spirit. You're a believer. You have a choice. Either walk by the flesh or walk by the Spirit, and each one has its consequence. And if you take the way of Satan's or sin or you know just societies, you're going to end up in self-destruction. Satan loves to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody knows John 10.10, 10. okay, or at least that area. You can't, you can't go Satan's way, guys. You cannot go this way and expect blessing in life, can you? God won't be mocked. He's not going to allow, allow that to happen. I mean, you might enjoy your, your ride on this path for a while, but ultimately it's going to come back to bite you. God won't be mocked. And we all know this. I think we all know this. But God's Word still has to say what? Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived, implying we deceive ourselves into thinking we're going to find life on this path. Doing things the world's way, my way, Satan's way, rather than God's way. You're not going to find life over here. Ultimately, you're going to reap the consequences of it. Proverbs 3 puts it this way, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't cast off the instruction of the Lord. Fear the Lord. Bind His commands around your neck. Bind them around your neck. Fear the Lord. Don't think that you can stray from God's path and find blessing. It ain't going to happen. It doesn't work. It didn't work in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan said to Adam and Eve, Eat that fruit. You won't die. God said, 
No, you're, you're going to die. They, they were the first to test this system, the law of the harvest. And uh, God wasn't mocked. But they were deceived into thinking they could beat the system. They didn't beat the system, and we're reaping their decision. The whole world was thrown into frustration. We're reaping the consequences of what? One choice. Clear back in the Garden of Eden. Which is a good point, that our choices don't just affect us, they affect everyone around us. No one beats the system of sowing and reaping. No one beats it. You might say, yeah, well, there's, there's grace and mercy for me in some of the decisions I've made. I said, yeah, once you trusted Christ, you still had to make a choice. We deceive ourselves and, and all the time, I think, into thinking we can live our life our way. We don't need God's word to guide us. But then what happens? Sooner or later, the bottom falls out and we're left asking, why would God do this to me? Why would he allow this to happen? Truth be told, Probably a long time ago, we ignored God's instruction. And maybe we didn't realize what we were doing at the time. We didn't have the, the awareness of, our, the, of what our decision was going to result in. But here we are, we're, we're reaping what we've sown. God didn't bring it on us, we did. It's a consequence of what we've sown. The law of the harvest, again, I say it greatly influenced D.L. Moody. Uh, he was sewing every day, and in one of his tent services, back when tent services were cool, and they're not today, so don't try it. Um, some people still are. Uh, uh, tent services, he, he, you'd preach in this tent, and he was talking about the law of the harvest once, and a man stood up in the audience, and he said, I don't believe it. Moody's in the middle of preaching on the law of the harvest. The guy says, I don't believe it. Maybe you want to do that right now. Uh, Moody says, sir, just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. A lie is a lie whether you believe it or not. So he didn't want to believe the law of the harvest, but when the meeting broke up, Moody says, we found out why. The office, an officer arrested him at the door because he was a wanted criminal. And he was sentenced to the penitentiary for 12 months. And Moody said this, I really believe when he got to his cell... His jail cell, he believed that he had to reap what he sowed. So, this, this law is just something that is inescapable. Uh, you cannot expect to pay your bills if you don't go to work, right? I guess it depends on what system you live under, socialism, right? Uh, you can't expect good health down the road. Good health down the road if all you do is put harmful things in your body. You can't expect to do well on the test if you don't study. Right, college students? You can't expect a healthy family if you don't work on your marriage. Children need to see that mom and dad love each other. That is their security for them. They love that. They might not like it when you guys go out on a date, out on a date because it means you're leaving them with some stranger, but ultimately they need it. They need to know mom and dad are working on their relationship. They, they love each other. Uh, children, 
And this is Daryl Regeer's dad talks about this all the time. He's a counselor. Children will exhibit the problems of their parents or develop problems in reaction to their parents. This happens all the time. As the marriage goes, so goes the family, so goes the nation. If our, if our country is going to sow these seeds in our children of immorality and Marxism, you better believe we're going to reap the fruit of that. We're already reaping some of that fruit now. You're going to live in an immoral society. That means uh, peace and safety are out the window. You ain't going to let your kid play in the street with some pedophile walking down the street all the time, right? So you're not going to let your kid go trick-or-treating. We already don't trust our neighborhoods enough to let them go trick-or-treating anymore. It's because it's become immoral. Someone might take our kids. Someone might harm our kids. See the fruit of righteousness? Peace. Safety. You sow seeds of Marxism. What are you going to end up with? A nanny state. People without purpose and without meaning because they're relying on the government to provide for them. The government becomes God under Marxism. We're going to reap what we're sowing. We're going to reap what we're sowing. Let me find my notes again. Um, let's get our minds, though, on the context of Galatians, since we're in Galatians. Paul is teaching the Galatians, and the, the Galatia, Galatia would have been in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Paul's telling them here, you've basically got two fields you can sow in with any choice you make. The flesh or the spirit. And I've, I've made the flesh a light-colored brown because the light-colored brown is poor soil, right? It's like a sandy soil. This is a rich, dark brown soil. I'm just, sorry, this is the most hick sermon you're probably ever going to hear in your life. Um, and I love it. One field is going to bring forth weeds and junk. It's going to be unprofitable. Whatever you throw into it, wasted. You are never getting anything back from that except destruction. It destroys whatever goes into it. You've got license and legalism are in that field. However, you can sow to the Spirit, and in the Spirit you reap good fruits. It's profitable. It's a wise investment. It's always rewarded. Okay? Uh, it, it's, it's life-giving. In the Spirit is where we, we produce true good works. Okay? So to the flesh, or the sin nature, is what we mean by flesh, the sin nature, harvest corruption. So to the spirit, the divine nature, and you'll harvest good fruits, and you'll have real life. I mean like a quality of life, both now and in eternity. Two fields. And the reason Paul brings this up is because false teachers called Judaizers had snuck into the Galatian churches to spy on the freedom that they had in Christ. And their intention was to bring believers under bondage, okay? The bondage of, of legalism. They wanted to introduce the idea that it's not enough to live by grace through faith in Christ, but you've got to keep observing the law of Moses and the Old Testament, especially things like circumcision. And they, they caused real believers, real brothers and sisters in Christ to forget that Jesus Christ was enough both for their salvation and for their sanctification. And so they're always kind of holding a carrot out in front of the believer's noses saying, you have Christ, yeah, but if. You know, but you also need this. You need to do this. You need to do that. It was a Christ plus religion. It was a false gospel. 
Oh, you've, you began by the Spirit, but you know, you're going you're gonna to resume, you're going to walk by flesh. You know? like that's, that was what the idea that they were holding out to them. Uh, and, and so it would bring destructive consequences to their lives. That's what Paul's talking about. Uh, chapter 5 actually contrasts these two natures and the fruits of them. And he exposes how when you live by works, it's going to stir up the flesh. It's going to create a legalistic or licentious environment. He says in verse 15 of chapter 5, you're going to bite and devour one another. What does he mean by that? He means that uh, they're basically going to be seeing each other on ladders and performance-based stuff. Right? So they're going to be comparing each other and where they're at and you know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not very spiritual today. You're not keeping this or that. And uh, anyway, if I compare favorably to you, it leaves, uh, it leaves me feeling arrogant. I'm keeping the laws that you're not, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good, right? I'm more spiritual than you. But if I compare unfavorably to you, it's going to leave me what with low esteem. I'm probably going to be feeling a little bit depressed, uh, am I even saved? I'm just going to end up in despair. They're going to bite and devour one another. There's no one wins in legalism. You're just never good enough. And if it's taken seriously, this idea that uh, favor with God is merited based upon our, 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 how we're doing, how we're performing, uh, then we're really going to start to devour one another and eventually... It's going to result in giving up on God and religion. Have you ever heard that? I just can't keep up with it anymore. I can't persevere quite enough, and so I'm going to give up on God and religion. And then they they go to the opposite, right? Which is what? Living in rebellion. I'm just going to live my way. I'm going to do whatever I want. And so when we see that happening, we, we tend to think that, you know, they're going from one extreme to the other, right? Oh, I was under legalism, living by works and religion, and then I gave up on religion because it's too hard, and so I went clear over here into license, and I'm just going to do whatever I want, and we try to think of the Spirit as being somewhere in between. Guys, that is wrong. You see that in a lot of commentaries. That is wrong. This is what it's like. The Spirit's over here on the other side of the cross. The flesh is over here. License and legalism, those are not on opposite extremes of the Spirit. They're just two works of the flesh. So you're really not going from one extreme to the other. You're just over here in the realm of the flesh. It's not hard or far to go from legalism to license. It's just actually, it's actually quite natural. I grew up under legalism and uh, legalistic religion, performance-based righteousness with God. And guess how many of us kids turned out to be rebellious, including me? Right? Why did that happen? Well, because you're already, if you're in legalism, you're already operating by the flesh. And so what's going to happen when you say, well, this system stinks, I can't keep it. What are you going to do? You're going to go right over here to the other work of the flesh. You're going to operate under license. Both of those are, are works of the flesh. How, how do we live by the Spirit? By grace through faith in Christ, right? So as we focus on what Jesus Christ did for us, our position, we have a perfect standing or position with God. He saved us, right? Through the Spirit, He baptized us. We're now uh, connected with the finished work of Christ on the cross. I've been buried. I'm raised to new life with Christ. I've got the Spirit and so on. As I focus on my position in Christ, uh, how I'm forgiven, God's given me grace, I'm sealed for eternity, He's my Abba Father, I'm His child. Then, as you 
walk by grace through faith in Christ, your state or your condition starts to catch up with who you are in Christ. It's by grace through faith in Christ that we're saved. It's by grace through faith in Christ that we walk. Please don't see the Christian life as a balance or a tug of war between license and legalism. It's neither one. It's by grace through faith in Christ. You need to get that down, and I'm not afraid to repeat that often to you guys. Because that is huge. That's huge. Um, the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Well, the fruit of the flesh. If you look at chapter 5, verse 19, he goes into the works of the flesh. Immorality, impurity. Well, we already talked about the biting and devouring one another in verse 4. Verse 15, but then he says, The other works are evident. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. I mean, it's an ugly, ugly list. Remember back in Galatians when I preached on that whole list? Man, that was, a, that was an ugly sermon. Uh, look at the fruit of the Spirit, though, in verse 22 and 23. A fruit of the Spirit's totally different. When you walk by grace through faith in Christ and you start to see others that way too, and you're a person of grace, this is what your, your choices start to be influenced by these virtues. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or meekness, faithfulness, self-control. Good fruit, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. What if our choices were governed by those virtues? See, that's the biggest thing you can do to change your choices. If you say, I need self-control, what do you need to do? You walk by grace through faith in Christ. There's your self-control. I need to love my neighbor, right? So walk by grace through faith in Christ. The flesh ain't going to do a lick of good for that. It's going to put you at competition with your neighbor. Um, uh, Choices made in love, in patience, in self-control, wouldn't that do a lot of good in our, in our world? Yeah. I think that's what Paul's talking about here when he's talking about doing good. Let us be doing good and due time will reap if we don't go grow weary. Let us do good to all people. And I could spend a lot of time going into the context there. But uh, let us do good by being people of grace who are truly spiritual. We walk by grace through faith. We want to restore others. We want to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is in chapter 6, verse 2. Loving our neighbor, we truly do good to people. Okay, Because legalists are going to look at someone who's caught in a spiritual trespass. Look at chapter one or chapter 6, verse 1. I have to do this. If, even if anyone's caught in any trespass, Right? Some brother or sister in the Lord is caught sinning. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. That's what you're going to do if you're walking by the Spirit. There's that fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you won't be tempted. What's the temptation there? Is it to get caught up in the sin that they're sinning? I don't think so. I think the temptation is, if I'm a legalist, I'm going to become proud. And I'm going to shame them. And I'm really not going to do them any good. I'm just going to put them down, put another law on them, and walk away. And say, shame on you. Someone walking by grace through faith in Christ is going to be gentle and going to want to enter into their midst, and they're going to become a stretcher bearer, and they're going to want to help that person. Okay? That's, you see the, the difference between walking in the flesh and the spirit there. It's incredible. Incredible. Uh, so as you think about verses 7 through 10 here, we are in the sixth and final chapter 
And uh, this, this illustration of it, this principle, this mention of the principle of sowing and reaping, is like a, it's like a final promise to them and a warning. Okay? He's taught them a comprehensive and clear theology of grace. He's laid out the consequences of either walking by the Spirit or walking in the flesh. And basically he's saying, right now, with those consequences in mind, what are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? How are you going to walk? Are you going to walk according to the flesh or the Spirit? You remember the, the V up there? Are you going to go God's way or are you going to go Satan's way? Life or destruction, he says, the choice is yours. This is like the final application to the whole book of Galatians. I've given you the truths. Here's the options. Choose one. You're going to reap what you sow. Choice is yours. Wayne likes to tell the story of a, an old wise man who lived on a mountain. Diane's shaking her head. I've heard this one a few times. An old wise man lived on a mountain and basically couldn't, you know, every answer he gave was just spot on. You know, never got anything wrong. He had just supernatural insight into things. And so there's two little boys who think they're going to trick this guy, this old wise guy. And uh, they decide to put a bird behind their back. And they're going to go up to this guy and they're going to ask, if this, is, is this bird dead or alive? And so if, if the old man says, alive, what are they going to do? They're going to they're let it go and it's going to fly away. If he says, the bird's dead, you're going to pluck the head off real quick, right? It's not hard. You guys, you guys know what I mean with a turtle dove. You ever done that? Kind of ugly, but if you go dove hunting. Um, it's really not hard to snap a head off of a bird real quick. Sorry. <laughs> Bad picture in your mind. Anyway, if he says it's dead... Or if, they, if he says it's alive, they're just going to pop the head off that dove real quick and they're going to present it dead. Okay, so, they, so they come up to the old wise guy and they're like, what is it? Is it dead or alive? And, and the old wise man says, what's he say, Wayne? It's in your hands. It's in your hands. The choice is yours if it's dead or alive. Kind of like us. Going to walk by the flesh or the spirit, life or death, the choice is yours. That's what Paul's saying to the Galatians. Choose one. Live by works or live by grace. The choice is yours. But remember, it's going to influence what you reap. Your choice now influences your future, the past, the now, and the future. They're all connected. They're all connected. One of the best things we can do to make sure that we walk by the Spirit and reap an enjoyable harvest is just to get into the Word of God. That's one of the best things you can do to learn to walk by the Spirit. You need to get to know God's Word, right? His commands so you don't make poor judgments, poor decisions, that sort of thing. It's pretty simple. If you get into the Word of God and you start to be, you become aware of how each choice you make either is 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 for the spirit or for the flesh and how it can affect your life. God's word is like our operator's manual for sowing well. For sowing well. Now, whenever you sow some seeds in the garden, what do you do? You go and pick this up, right? And you say, okay, what's the... Okay, there's the germination date. Days, 7 to 14 days. 
Soil temp has to be 50 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so I got to wait till this certain time of year in my zone, the area that we live in, zone five. The depth, I'm going to look at the seed depth. I'm going to look at the seed spacing, that sort of thing. There's instructions for sowing, right? Just like our farming equipment today, I mean, that stuff is intense anymore. You guys hear about the circus fire? It was intense. That's awful. Um, can't use that word anymore, sorry. But the farm equipment today, the machinery is just so complex that you have to get the manual out of us. You don't know how to run it. I mean, every time you go to plant something new, you have to, you've got to recalibrate it. You've got to have all these monitors. You've got to monitor what's going on. It's pretty common for a tractor to have two to three screens in it anymore. If you want to sow well, you've got to pay attention to the operator's manual and God's word is like our operator's manual for life for for sowing well it's going to help us plant well getting to know the word gives us in any potential situation an exceptional ability you get the word of God into your mind it'll give you the ability to measure and calculate the outcomes of the decisions that you're making so that you don't end up in a world of unnecessary hurt uh not literally, I'm not talking literally. I see someone out there with an arm brace on. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, think about some potential situations, though. I mentioned some last week. We're living in a difficult time, aren't we? Trial sometimes. And whether or not we, we sow our trust in, in, in the Lord or in man is going to determine what we reap. If we sow our trust in the Lord, what are we going to to reap? Stability? Productivity? Flourishing? You guys remember the vision last year? What was it? You see this tree here? It's going to flourish in the drought, right? Why? Because we're trusting in the Lord. Our vision is to trust, trust more, fear less. Okay, say that with me. Trust more, fear less. Trust more, fear less. An appropriate vision for this year that we're in. But if I, if I decide to sow my trust in mankind or myself, I'm going to reap fear, anxiety, and worry. Okay, if you missed last week's sermon, uh, go check it out, because that's our theme for this year. Uh, think about relationships and how we use our tongue. I think we we, we desire healthy relationships. It could be with our spouse, with our friends, with our co-workers, whatever it is. It's a relationship. But the reason that a lot of relationships get ruined or, uh, or a lot of work environments are miserable is because we just can't control our tongues. Do you notice that? Here's what Proverbs says. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it are going to eat its fruit. You're going to eat the harvest of your lips, is what he's saying. How you choose to use your tongue is very powerful. That goofy fable, I hate that nursery rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Baloney. Baloney. Words are extremely powerful, and we need to be careful how we use them. How many people have lost their job because of a careless word they spoke, or how many broken friendships we're never healed because of one careless word, maybe a suicide because of a careless word, or a, or a divorce or something. 
someone said something stupid and it never was forgiven or addressed, and it destroys relationships. You got to deal with that. Along the same lines, if we sow unforgiveness in a moment like that, we're going to reap bitterness, the Bible says. Forgiveness sets us free, but unforgiveness is just this downhill slope to all sorts of junk. Resentment, vengeance, hatred, ungratefulness, depression, despair, loss of hope. It all starts with just a, 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 a spirit of unforgiveness. How many people today can you think of who have a bitter existence today because they sowed a little unforgiveness years ago? And since then, it just went... When you sow, you also reap more than you sow. That could be a point that you want to write down. I should have made it a main point. When you sow, you reap more than you sow. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow exceedingly, you reap exceedingly. Anyway, one kernel is all it took to produce this whole uh, corn cob, right? This whole ear of corn. All it took was one to produce all those and probably, I don't know, three or four other ears on that same plant. It all came from one little seed. So that should kind of give us some sort of like, a, I don't know, prodding. Be like, hey, be careful how you sow because it's, you reap more than you sow too. Um, let's think about marriage and dating. I'm guessing, and this has no statistical thing whatsoever. I did not get this number online or anything. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing 98% of the people out there who are dating someone they plan on marrying are under the impression and uh, uh, that, that a little premarital intercourse is going to show their partner that they're serious and that they really love them. Okay? Again, this is 98%, so don't beat yourself up. We've all been here. Uh, we think that a little premarital intercourse is going to show our future partner we're serious, we really love them, but what it can really do is create a lack of trust in their partner in the long term thing. In the long term, okay? If, we can't, if you can't say no to him or her while you're dating, is he or she, if they can't say no to you while, while you're dating, is he or she going to be able to say no to someone else later on? You see what I'm saying? Choosing to wait until marriage is going to show that person that you really love, that you're dating, that you are actually interested in them, and you're not just interested in the intercourse. Okay? It's going to build trust. And I'm not afraid to talk about this because it's a huge problem in society today. We think that we're not going to reap what we sow when we're dating. Choosing to wait until marriage is going to show them you're interested in them, not just intercourse. Okay? Uh, you're interested more in more than the physical aspects that they have to offer, right? And, and beauty is fleeting, Proverbs says. Uh, and so you look for more than the physical, what you're attracted to on the outside. You want to look for inner attractive virtues like what? Self-control. Self-control is going, going to go, go a lot farther than their physical beauty, Right? So it's going to also tell them you want the wedding night to be special. See, God says, God says wait, because he knows what he's talking about here. Uh, doing things his way, it just works. Everyone who marries uh, looks forward to a long, 
healthy marriage relationship. No one gets married except maybe like a, a few, okay, a percentage of a of percent. No one gets married and says, boy, I really hope this ends in divorce. No, we all have dreams of like riding off into the sunset, right, on the beach somewhere. Like, you know, you have, I already have dreams of, my wife is dying back there. Um, I have dreams of going on vacations with my wife when my kids leave the nest. And uh, some, some marriages are like that. It just seems like they just get sweeter with time. It's like fine wine, right? They just get sweeter and sweeter. Some marriages are like that. And we look at couples like that. They have a sweet marriage and we say, oh boy, they're just, they're so lucky. Wayne and Diane, you're so lucky. Isn't that annoying? That's annoying. Why? It it wasn't luck that got you there. For one, you're blessed. Two, you worked really hard about being intentional with Forgiveness when it needed to be done, right? With sacrificial love. All these different things, right? They didn't get there by accident. They had to be intentional to sow the right seeds at the right time. They had to keep short accounts. They couldn't let unforgiveness kind of get its root in their relationship. Okay? Finances. These are another big one. I don't talk about finances, like, ever, okay? So if you're here for the first time, uh, I, like, never talk about this. But it's important. Financial strain is one of the leading causes of divorces and a host of other problems, even for singles. Most Americans are not in control of their money. Their, Their money is in control of them. That's normal. It's normal for for people to live with a tremendous amount of debt, weighing them down, it's like a monkey on their back, and uh, they're operating from paycheck to paycheck. That's normal. Okay, what's weird is, is the Bible saying, don't do that. <laughs> uh, what happens when an emergency comes up if I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I'm in debt? The car breaks down, an appliance breaks. Well, we have a financial situation, right, at that point. And then what do we have to do? We either got to put it on the credit card or go to the bank, and we just go more in debt. And so the result of your, your debt, sowing debt, is gonna, you're going to reap a lot more stress. You're going to be a slave to the lender. You're going to be a slave to that job. Okay, God's Word says to run from debt like you're running for your life, like a gazelle running from a cheetah. And I kind of wanted to put that picture up on the board for you here, but... Uh, I decided to go with grain bins instead uh, because the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I would say the majority of America is spending whatever they get. And that's not a fun way to live. I have lived uh, paycheck to paycheck. I've been a slave to a job and a lender because of all my debt. And I've also lived debt-free for years, except for a, a recent mortgage. And I can't tell you how much better it is and how much sweeter it is to, to be debt-free, to actually be in control of your money. Under one, you're a slave. Under the other, you're free. So much personal and relational stress would be spared if we just handled money 
God's way. And if if you want some help financially, I I personally think Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps and Financial Peace University is I think he's got a lot of good things to say. If you if you want to make this your year where you get your financial uh, life in order, uh, I'd even love to help you out with the Every Dollar app. They have an Every Dollar app for budgeting that helps me and my wife, and I like it a lot. We just found it because I honest be honest, uh, I hated budgeting. It, budgeting was just this, ugh, you know, if it's on paper, it's really ugly, and keeping cash and anyway. Every dollar app, I'll help you set that up and show you what we do. But anyway, just to wrap it up, look at verses 9 through 10 with me. Uh, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, while we have season, let us do good to all people. So uh, I think Paul here, he understands spiritual farming is hard work. That's why he has to give us two negative commands. Don't grow weary, and don't lose heart. His third encouragement, or his third point there, his, his encouragement is, remember that reaping is coming, reaping is promised, and the season for sowing is short. The season for sowing is temporary. If you're saying like, man, it's just, it's just too much, you know, this, this spiritual farming stuff's hard, you know, we all give up on New Year's resolutions sometimes, right? We talked about that already. You say, it's just too hard. Remember, the season for sowing is short. It's temporary. And so while we have season, let's sow wisely. Let's redeem our time. Let's sow what is good. You can't go back and change the seeds that you've sown in the past, but you can start changing how you sow today. And that kind of takes us back to Solomon. You remember when we were in Ecclesiastes before Christmas? Every day matters. Life's a series of moments that matter. This is telling us every choice matters. Every decision matters. And uh, don't grow weary because we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. Amen? take this unchanging law of the harvest seriously it's going to change your life